Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca vs. Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, also here up there in New York City. Fangraph's own John Taylor, he's saying New York City this week, but it was almost a Nashville it situation was, it, This was almost a, 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 fill, a taped in Tennessee podcast, as you sip from the Tennessee Vols mug. It's a, a nice stress relief tea. I was getting made fun of today at work about uh, I'm a chamomile, lavender chamomile, my sleepy time tea before I go to sleep. I love a good lemon ginger after I eat for, okay. you know, digestion. I yeah, do probiotics in the morning. Gin- I'm 65 years old, John. It's a, there's nothing wrong with that. As, as, you mm. know, as long as you own it and can just accept that this is your life now, is being oh, yeah. 65 years, then you're fine. You're fine with that. No, I love John Coltrane. Like, I love Miles Davis, Bill Evans Trio. Okay. Listen to jazz throughout the day. Your, your Spotify wrapped was just a, a, a 1960s radio station, wasn't it? John, my Spotify wrapped was the most embarrassing. Like, there was no chance members I'm ever sharing that because it okay. is only jazz <laughs> and ASMR and like the Nightcrawler theme uh, <laughs> and Game of Thrones th- or uh, Nightcrawler soundtrack. Excuse me. So it's it's a lot of music to edit to. 
Mm -hmm. And also just some some very comfortable, chill things. Yeah, that's all. That's all day long. Yeah. But I'm not doing podcasts. Listen to podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I I just I'm too old for like loud and I'm I I like the laid back and I've always been a jazz guy. My dad is a big jazz guy, so I just kind of grew up. I like I grew up going to football practice, listening to jazz. It was kind of a weird uh, segue into hitting people as hard as you can, but. That doesn't feel like music to get you super hype. No. It explains a lot about me, though, I think, that I was listening to jazz on the way to football practice. But, you know, I don't hate it. I love that I have a love for jazz. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I mean, jazz is, it's the thinking man's music. It's the the gentleman's music. Um, Many are saying. I, it's just, you know, I, I would not, you know, it's like you, you picture the, the football team huddling together and doing that whole, like, <laughs> you know slamming into each other kind of sort of mosh painting yeah. while like kind of blue is playing in the background that, mm-hmm. that, that that doesn't really feel right to me no but it felt right to me on the okay. way to football practice john taylor well, of fangraphs.com fangraphs.com go subscribe today the hot stove is stoven as the kids say a it's lot stoven. of stove action that of the hot variety john taylor um where do we, we i think we have to start with the lead story here as of right now, because I was recording another podcast before we jumped on here, has the Soto trade officially been finalized to the Yankees? No, or no? no. The most recent was the most recent news from uh, MLB.com's Brian Hoke is that the Padres are apparently there's a delay. They're just going through medicals. I would imagine that this is going to get done unless mm-hmm. there is something total curveball, something seriously wrong with the arm of either Michael King or Drew Thorpe. Mm. Uh, who are the two main prospects who are going to go back to San Diego. The whole trade right now apparently seems to be Juan Soto and Trent Grisham for Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and uh, Yankees backup catcher, I guess backup catcher. I guess mm. was Either way, Kyle Higashioka. Mm. Um, I would guess if there's something medical with Brito, Vasquez, or Higashioka, they just swap them in, some, someone else gets swapped in, and the deal goes through. I, again, the only I if King or Thorpe is for some reason if this is something about King or Thorpe, then maybe this gets uh, maybe we have a problem here. But I, I still think it happens unless that is the case. Um, in particular, it's just it's been there's too much essentially at stake for both teams with this. It, it's kind of a deal that needs to happen for both teams mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I have a hard time seeing who else would really kind of jump in for Soto. At this point, especially because the, I think, and I think the Padres, I think you understand the, the, the kind of, the desire to get, or even for both teams, I think you understand the desire to get this done with quickly because the second Shohei Otani signs, the Padres then get, if they still have Soto, get to pivot to, hey, every team that missed out on Otani or that was interested in Otani, guess what we've got? And then the Yankees, instead of being the ones to get to jump the, to the front of the line, have to re-enter the line with everyone else. Of course, I also assume that if a Soto trade falls apart, the Yankees uh, for something serious, the Yankees will not end up making that deal. But they need they need him. Obviously, yeah. um, there's not an equivalent bat on the market if they're not going to be in on Otani, and they just certainly don't seem to be. Um, this is the only real way they get that impact left-handed power bat uh, that they need to make that lineup genuinely good again. Uh, is he enough to make it genuinely good again? I think so. I mean. It's it's weird because it's there. There's still good chunks of that Yankees lineup that you you do worry about. Like you worry about. Um, I mean, I, I think a healthy Anthony Rizzo is probably fine. A healthy Glaber Torres is fine. I think you worry about DJ LeMahieu. I think you worry about Stanton to a certain degree at this point. 
Do you worry about think... Stan or you just accept Stan? I feel like you need to be in the acceptance well, I, stage. My feel, and this is, so Ben Clemens has already written up the Soto trade for us. We've actually already, we, we, we went ahead and jumped the gun and published it. So our, our take is out there now, but mm. uh, his belief, and I, I, I got to say, I kind of line up with him on this, is that if the Yankees complete this deal, they should just cut Stanton and wow. just move on. If only, bec- largely because getting rid of Stanton May, or allows the Yankees to optimize this roster around Soto hmm. in a way that works a lot better than keeping Stanton. Because part of the thing too is, you know, obviously the Yankees, uh, the one trade they have completed so far this offseason, or I think maybe about it, but the other notable trade they made at winter meetings was to get Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Some speculation that he would be flipped to San Diego as part of a Soto trade that doesn't seem to be happening. Mm. assuming uh, that Verdugo stays on. And I think it makes sense for him, too, because the, the Yankees have got nothing out of their corner outfield last year. And are, with Jason Dominguez out for, I believe, the entire season with Tommy after Tommy John surgery, they're yeah. not really going to get much. Verdugo makes sense to keep around. Um, the issue you run into with having him there, and, and along with Soto, Judge, and Stanton, is you can't really... And then Trent Grisham, as well, who really makes the most sense for this Yankees team as a starting center fielder, is if you have a, essentially if you have Grisham, Judge, and Soto in the outfield, you're not starting Verdugo regularly. It's not, it doesn't really make sense for him to be there as a, a kind of a fourth outfielder. Uh, you don't really want Stanton playing the outfield at this point. His body mm-hmm. is just not really good to handle it. I think there's a, a you, know, you want the flexibility too, I think, to be able to run out an outfield that is uh, Verdugo, Grisham, Judge, where ideally you don't play Soto in the outfield if you don't have to. He's not a particularly good outfielder. He never has been. I think it's unlikely he ever will be. You know, ideally you put him at DH as much as you can. It also gives you the opportunity to to rotate Judge into the DH spot as necessary. Uh, to rotate, uh, you know, Rizzo into the DH spot. Lemayhew keep them a little fresher for the over the course of the season. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think there's a good, ch- I don't, I mean, I don't know if the Yankees actually would do that. I think it does make sense from a roster perspective, regardless. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think adding Soto is enough to make this lineup good. I think the only thing you worry about is obviously injury to either him or judge, hmm. but barring that, I mean, people, people, for, people forget how good Juan Soto is. Yeah. You know, and I know his time in San Diego did not really amount to much and he didn't look all that great for a chunk of it, but I, I want to know because, and, and this is in He's also 25 piece. years old. This is also worth noting, too. He is mm. 25 years old. Um, the last year was a relatively down year for Juan Soto. He still posted a 410 on base percentage, uh, a 155 WRC plus, and five and a half wins above replacement. Like, and that's as a terrible defender and base runner. Mm. And for people who, like, in, in 2023, he's like, oh, why did he get off to such a slow start? From... Essentially, the beginning of May through the rest of the season, he hit 290, 418, 548. Mm. That's fine. That'll do. That'll play. A po- an, uh, uh, an almost 1,000 OPS out of out of this man with a 400 OPS. Like, this, this is legitimately one of the five best hitters in baseball mm. uh, to go with a player and judge who is also one of the five best hitters in baseball. If you can get two of five on one in one lineup, I think you're doing pretty good. And you could argue, well, the Padres tried that, and look where that pan- look how that panned out for them. Mm. Understandably so. And it's worth noting too, if the Yankees do pull off this trade, they don't they they need to keep going. There needs to be more done. Particularly, they need to add pitching, given that they're subtracting a large amount of depth pitching wise with this trade. Particularly in King, who is projected to be part of their starting rotation, who is really good for them down the stretch. 
as well as Thorpe, who is arguably their top pitching prospect and a guy who is probably going to have an impact at some level uh, you know, at some point this season. You know, they need to go out and add more arms. The good thing for them, though, is this free agent, this free agent market still flush with arms. You know, we had a winter meetings just now where no one really signed, no, no real, uh, nothing really shifted in terms of the market itself. You know, Blake Snell is still out there. Yoshinobu Yamamoto is still out there. Jordan Montgomery is still out there. There are still David options. Roberts, Dave Roberts lost his talking privileges for the next uh, calendar year in Los Angeles. Dave Roberts with the George Costanza. Was that <laughs> wrong? Should I not have done that? Oh my uh, goodness! I, I, I really, I really, really appreciated the the wave of of, of columns that came out in the aftermath aftermath and. Uh, saying Dave Roberts is a brave man for doing that. And I know there was, <laughs> it was a, a tongue embedded firmly in cheek for a lot of those columns, but mm-hmm. the way the Otani stuff has played out has been very, very funny to me personally. But The takes are wild. It's gotten a lot of people up in arms. It's gotten some people that we, I think you and I both respect on the... It's just kind of... I mean, it was kind of what we talked about last week. The Otani stuff is just... I think two things can be true. Um, he can do whatever he wants. He's the best player in baseball. He's free agent. If he, doesn't, if he wants to go super secret, he can do that. It's his right. You can also say this is kind of silly that we're like closing clubhouses and it's just like if you get if it, anything comes out we're xing you off. Uh, it, it's a like lot. That. It's, it's like what are we doing? It's a lot, and mm-hmm. you're right. Like uh, Shohei Otani in this situation owes nothing to anyone. Mm-hmm. You know he is not beholden to to Major League Baseball or to the reporters who cover Major League Baseball, particularly the scoopsters. Mm. To be leaking details of his free agency and his and which teams he's interested in, yeah. you know, and he has every right to to ask teams, "Hey, we don't want to turn this into a circus. Like, yeah. we're not interested in that." I guess the flip side of that is this level of silence is its own kind of circus. Yes, it's its own kind of absurdity that really just looks bizarre. Mm-hmm. And for as much as I don't agree with the idea that, you know, I, I read Ken Rosenthal's athletic column that was basically like MLB needs to do something mm-hmm. to kind of get things moving. I don't necessarily, again, I don't but how think do they Otani, do that? Like, what does they, that even they, they, entail? I, I, I don't think they can. Ken threw some right? ideas out there about essentially having transaction deadlines that, which is something the league has apparently brought to the union before, and the union quite understandably said, absolutely not. We do not want yeah. to put any kind of artificial limiters on the market itself. The, I think the idea is to recreate that uh, both the NBA style free agency where all the deals are announced in like a 48 hour period and also to kind of bring back some of the heat I think that came out of the the, the lockout the transaction mm-hmm. deadline essentially. Although it's worth noting with you know with regards especially to the NBA stuff, all those deals are agreed upon like two weeks in advance. You know, they all leak. A, they all leak ahead of time. Like Woj and Sham spend what the the, the week or two leading up to the free agent, uh, the opening of free agency, basically just saying, hearing that X and Y have come to or have an understanding. So there, hmm. there's no real suspense and drama in it, which I also don't really get from a writer perspective. Is so you want the period after that to have even less stuff to write <laughs> and talk about? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you want just this kind of extended scoops? Regardless, it it. You know, the, the, the whole situation with Otani is strange. Mm. I, I don't agree that there should be necessarily, like, artificial limits placed on the market to get things moving. But I do agree with the idea that MLB really needs this to be more of a positive circus. They mm. need the, the kind of heat of the best baseball player in the planet is choosing teams. Mm. You know, and we gotta, you know, we gotta get something out of that. We've got a LeBron type thing. thing. The decision yeah. they want—you don't have to go that far, but they want like that to dominate 
headlines. They yes. want Shohei Otani to dominate news station headlines. They they want Otani rumors. They want Otani mm-hmm. news. They want the like all everyone that benefits everyone except of course for Shohei Otani. Yes, and it's obviously it's obviously clear too. Otani is not a LeBron type player no. or figure or or would be kind of a mogul where he actively seeks the spotlight or wants to try to... No, he very clearly just wants... The baseball side of this, at least, he very clearly just wants to make a decision with as little drama as possible. Yeah. Because there's a certain number of factors and uh, and considerations that he has in mind that are very important to him and that are not helped by having every one of these details leaked out in the media. He does obviously doesn't want to negotiate that contract in public. That's all fair, you know, and and like you said, but like you said, there is no real way for MLB to do anything about this. And mm-hmm. I think it's also part of a of a bigger, broader thing with Otani, who it's, it's worth knowing too, does not talk to the media really no. at all. Um, he had not, you know, he didn't basically from August onward, he did not talk to any reporters uh, while he was still on the Angels. Rarely talked to them in the first place. You know, it was if ever it was really just more of an organized kind of press conference thing where he would just give short, pretty nondescriptive answers, and that would be that. Uh, very clearly a pretty private person, does not like divulging details of his personal life. I mean, he wouldn't even give the name of his dog in that uh, in that MLB Network MVP uh, award announcement. I forgot about this. Um, Did we ever find out, or is it still unknown? I, I'm hoping it's Shohei. I hope his dog <laughs> is just named Shohei. That would like be he's very... just embarrassed to say that he yeah. named it after himself? Yeah, that, maybe, maybe that's what it is. He, he, like, he won't say his dog's name because it's just something humiliating. I mean, maybe that's. It. I mean, he has like a lot of Derek Jeter to him, where Derek is, mid- was very guarded, and Derek was very business savvy, and Derek was just like, "I'm gonna give you exactly what I want to give you from the moment." Like he just knew he was a slept. Like Derek was very, very smart, and that's why yeah. you and I were very dubious about how he would do on TV because he's just so calculated. And I think Shohei is the same kind of way, but I do. I think about the Yajits. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, John yes, Taylor, but I just... L- that phrase lives rent-free in my head. Yes. It is just on a perpetual loop somewhere <laughs> in the back there. So I just imagine, like, Otani and and just kind of like the Yajits instead of being like, yeah, Shohei, like him just celebrating with his little dog and he just calls him Shohei. Yeah, with his, with his little puppy, Mr. Mr. Poopsie Cutes. Um, <laughs> We're getting to look, the bottom the, of this, John. The the thing, too, about about Jeter is... You know, and I did not consider, like, I never, I never really understood the, the kind of, like, high wattage star, whatever, mm. with, with Jeter, because, again, he always came across as a deeply dull person, in terms of, like you said, he, he revealed what he wanted to reveal, and that's that. I think the difference with Jeter is he understood that there was a relationship he had to maintain mm. with the media, a game that he had to play with, uh, in particular, with the press, um, with outside media, with... Uh, his own personal brand of this is what I need to do in order for everything to go smoothly. And like you said, some of that is I'm going to limit what you guys get out of me, but I will give you just enough that there is neither a desire to pry nor a frustration that I simply am not saying anything at all. Mm. I think Trout is similar in that regard where he, and, and Trout is someone who very clearly in the similar vein does not really want to talk about his personal life very clearly is focused on baseball and just wants to play baseball and pretty much be left alone otherwise, unless you want to talk about the Eagles or the weather. Mm. But he also knows, like, I've, you know, I've got to give, I've got to be there, I've got to talk to the media, I've got to play my part in all of this and part of the broader ecosystem. I think that what you're seeing, and maybe this is this is the thing with Otani, is he is simply so big and so and and unique to the point that he doesn't need any of this. Yeah. You know? where he, And he feels, I think, probably quite rightly... 
what does it like what what do i get out of this in mm. in exchange i'm already going to get a half billion dollar contract you know i have i have marketing deals around the world i'm probably the most marketable baseball player on the face of the earth why do i need to play along with your silly uh, clickbait ml like mlb trade rumor stuff like no i respect that you know that and that's his that's his i guess prerogative. the way to spin it is if you're on the other side of that is like well, you playing that game opens you up to more money because the sport grows. There's more interest, more butts and seats because you're a bigger name and you're dominating headlines more. It increases your marketability um, just by opening up more. I guess that's the way I would probably position it is like you don't have to do these things, but these do actually benefit you in other ways. They do. And I and I agree with that. I think I think it's pretty clear, though, that Otani doesn't care. No. You know, so you there's... can't make it like it's just over. So when I read these columns and think about this, I'm like, I just don't know how you get out of this stalemate. I think it's just going to be like this. I think you're right. I think it's like you said, there's what are they going to what are they what are the what is MLB going to do? You know, well, I just imagine really too, like it'll be when they went into the winter meetings and stuff. I, it's like the Arrested Development, like uh, Michael Bluth opening the refrigerator. He's like, "Dead yeah. dove, do not eat." And he opens it up. And he's I like, expected. "I don't know what I expected." I just like, what did you expect? Though Tony was going to do, he was going to have a open and just very uh, media heavy blitz from the Otani yeah. camp on what was happening. Like, I mean, knew the, this the, was coming. The dude very clearly has marched to the beat of his own drum forever. Yes. I mean, he had the choice of any for any franchise in the world when he picked the angels already by by just that yeah we could probably we could tell that he was not going to do things the expected or predictable way no big john lackey fan maybe i mean just the fact that the that this that this free agency now is down to the dodgers which i think that makes sense to everybody but also the blue jays which from a roster standpoint makes perfect sense and uh, i i recommend people read tom verducci's column on otani and the blue jays uh he actually did laid out very as verducci does made a very convincing case for why Toronto makes sense for Otani, both on a baseball level and an off-field level. But, I, I mean, I have to say, just personally for myself, like, I really was not expecting Toronto to be involved in this. I had kind of figured it would be a West Coast team, um, maybe a little closer to the playoffs. I mean, I, I to be fair, I just assumed it would be the, the Dodgers from day one, and that was going to be that. Mm. Um, but just the fact that the Cubs are also involved, that the Angels are apparently still a realistic consideration, that he would actually potentially go back to anaheim even after i said this john happened. that'd be the most otani thing possible to still do all this and go back to the angels i i mean look i i don't want to say i'd lose respect for the man because you live your life but mm. that would be such a disappointing way for this all to go is if that's what we end up with is otani deciding to sign up for 10 more years of of just being essentially irrelevant to the grander mm. picture i mean to say nothing of what rob manfred would do if that happens yeah, you know he's probably sending Nez Bolello, uh, Otani's agent, like texts on the regular, being like, "Boy, you know those Los Angeles Dodgers. I, I, I think they could really use a hand, you know. And I think your client is particularly well suited. Like, this is. I think this is the other thing about MLB. MLB wants him in a place like like Los Angeles on the Dodgers. Mm. You know, the the Cubs would have also worked, and I think maybe they can make Toronto work. But the the Dodgers is pretty much ideal from an MLB standpoint. Um. It's just it's it's just wild though how how strange it's all been. I just this, want it not to be the Dodgers pursuit. and it be Dave Roberts' fault. Not because I look Dave, nothing into you personally, but that'd be the most just hilarious outcome is that they lost out on Otani because he accidentally let it slip that they uh, met with Otani and all that. Which is which is funny too because as people pointed out, it's like oh no, how like how dare Dave Roberts acknowledge the fact something that <laughs> everyone in the world already assumed had happened. Yeah. And as it turned out, correctly assumed it happened. Like, 
Well, we now have uh, Brave Snoops um, noting that the Braves clubhouse has been closed for two days uh, in the coming days. So the sim- what the Dodgers did, the Braves are doing. So uh, they're not going to announce it, obviously, John Taylor. But it certainly seems like a meeting uh, is potentially happening with the Braves. I, I mean, I, I would re- just recommend that Otani take a look at Dave O'Brien's Twitter account, which has not been a very happy place lately mm-hmm. um, <laughs> before making that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, I don't know if Otani has been to a Waffle House, but I think that could also be a selling like point. I think he would like it. Um, did, have you, did you go to a Waffle House while you were in Nashville or no? No. So for those for those who don't, have uh, never been to... Uh, so, the, so the winter meetings in Nashville uh, this year, and I think uh, every, anytime they've been there recently, are held in a place called the Gaylord Opryland, mm-hmm. which is a giant combination hotel conference center with like 3,000 rooms and a like bars, restaurants, a water park somehow. Mm-hmm. Like one of those giant multi-purpose, like you fly like a whole company there to do stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, the Opryland is not itself in Nashville proper. It is just outside of Nashville. To get to downtown Nashville is about a 10 or 15 minute drive from there. Yeah. So, um, and there were no Waffle Houses anywhere in the immediate area. I personally was just uh, devastated that we were not close to a Zaxby's. Because there was one in Nashville, and I was really looking forward to it, but just could not make it happen. We did, uh, mm. the folks at Fangraphs, so we did get out to Hattie B's. Yes. Some hot chicken. That was lovely. Love um, hot chicken. Had it actually on Sunday night. Sorry? Not Hattie B's. Myrtle's. Oh, you had hot chicken. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, like, I, don't, I know nothing about hot chicken. I mean, I, I got mild. I'm clearly not a, a big spicy guy. I'm not either, but hot chicken, hot spicy chicken. I mean, I, I just love chicken. I get general, it. But hot I totally spicy get it. chicken. Mm. But, Getting hungry, John, while recording this podcast. Yeah, I, look, believe me, I would I would have loved a Waffle House trip to absorb yes. the flavors of... Because, uh, you know, every Waffle House griddle, they never clean them. You're no. just absorbing the grease of meals past. And so it, yes. in, in essence, going to a Waffle House, is like going to a museum, mm. a museum of eggs and ham, which is, that, I think, delightful. It is absolutely delightful. Um, speaking of delightful things, uh, the Seattle Mariners uh, giving yes. a, the gift of Jared Klinik uh, in a salary dump uh, this week, which caught us all off guard. I've said on this podcast for what the last two weeks, John, where I was like, there's just something about DePoto and Alex Anthopoulos that just, I thought it was going to be Logan Gilbert as the guy that the Braves would end up trading for out of this. It's group. not we too talked late. About it. It's not too late. Maybe they just do another deal, but I mean, it's a tough look for a team that finally ended the playoff streak. They have a young superstar in Julio Rodriguez. You have some, I mean, Logan, Logan Gilbert is not going a anywhere good, anytime soon. A good rotation. Um, you traded your closer down the stretch last year. Uh- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you're in a playoff chase, was just kind of weird. And, you know, I think Mariners fans are just kind of uneasy about where things are headed. And if you're a Mariners fan, you're like, um... Marco Gonzalez, whatever, like Braves trade him for a salary dump, obviously, to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Where else would you do a salary dump pitcher at this point? Where, I mean, where else would Marco Gonzalez end up is the other thing. Yeah, that's that's just the most Marco Gonzalez uh, <laughs> trade possible of anybody. Yeah. Like, it's just, I feel like Bronson Arroyo went through this in his uh, later years, and um, Gavin Floyd um, was Gavin going Floyd. through this, where they bounced around bad NL Central teams when they were just like a 4.25 ERA pitcher. We were like, they're, they're just... Hey, they're limit. Cash those checks, man. Whatever you got to do. Um, but you're not going to win. You're not going to be on a winning team. Um, all that being said, I love this move. I do love Double uh, A just being like, it's Vaughn Grissom. We're we're playing like a, maybe he's going to have to compete with Vaughn at left field going into next year. And we're all like, he's, I, I don't think that's happening. Um, I so, mean, that, 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 that feels to me like a, a, a platoon likely is Grissom. And... But Kalenic doesn't need to platoon. Clinic actually hits pretty well on both sides. Like it's not really one of those where he's significantly weaker on one side of the plate than the other. Like I don't think that's actually or with a lefty or righty pitcher, his splits are okay. Like I don't think he needs a platoon. Yeah, I mean, I I figure it'll. I mean, maybe it's not a straight platoon. Maybe it's just Grissom becomes kind of a super utility guy who can fill in in that spot. I think Grissom's getting traded, John. I I wouldn't be surprised if I've just mad. I wonder if part of it's just the Braves kind of offering him all over the place and being like seriously does anyone want von grissom please yeah. someone take von grissom like we're trying not to he's so good that we are just so careful about where we put him in this lineup that we just don't want to ruin him because we're so careful about von grissom um, do not think about the beginning of this past season it didn't happen just wave it with a little like uh <laughs> yes. clock on a chain or watch mm-hmm. on a chain just to hypnotize you will be yeah, bought in say, on like, von grissom Calling Mariners fans uneasy about things right now, I think, is a, is an understatement. They're pissed, and yeah. with good reason. What the Mariners are doing is, it's repellent. It's it, and look, I, I it, it is a clear strategy on their part, where very clearly the money, the the finite, whatever you want to call it, the the, the money is no longer there for whatever mm-hmm. reason, be it. The issues they've had with their uh, regional sports network, Root Sports, no longer being a part of, I think, a, a regular kind of set cable package. Whether it's ownership itself just pulling back um, in the wake of signing Julio Rodriguez and Luis Castillo to big deals. Whether it's some combination of that with DePoto insisting that he can actually figure out a way to do this for less money. I, I don't know. But the end result is this is a worse team solely to save money. Because on a baseball level, uh, and this is true of the Kalenic trade, this is true of the Eugenio Suarez trade, this is true of pretty much every move the Mariners have made this offseason, there's no over, there's there's no good baseball reason to do this. There's no good baseball reason to trade Kalenic, or at least not Mm -hmm. for what he got, what they got in exchange, which is to say nothing really. Yeah. You know, this was a salary dump, like you said. It was about getting rid of Marco Gonzalez's contract and getting rid of Evan White's contract. That mm-hmm. was pretty much it. What like whatever issues there are with Kalenic, and there are plenty. That's not a guy who moving him makes your team better. I Correct. don't think. Unless you then turn around and you and 
get someone better than like Azuna, him. or if you include Azuna in the trade or something like it's a swap or something where it's like you're still trying like you're not or, trying or to go backwards there, or if there had been some sign that like yes the mariners are doing this but because they're trying to clear space or something or, for yeah. soto or otani that's clearly not happening this is clearly just about getting this payroll down and that the, the most frustrating thing and this is you know the the way mariners fans i think feel particularly about it is this is just this has been the case forever there mm -hmm. has never been that point where the Mariners have said, okay, we're ready, we're going to go in, we're going to make the money, we're going to make things happen, we're going to spend the money to make this team go. It is it is perpetually, as DePoto put it, that quest for 54%, where it's we're going to do just enough to get ourselves to that point. Because that is what our ownership has deemed to be their, th that's their limit, essentially. They are not going to do the big moves that take you from a potential 82, 83, 84 win team to something closer to 90, 91 plus wins to get you out of the wild card conversation and into the division conversation. Because that's the other part of this. The AL West between Houston and Texas, that is a really hard hill for the Mariners to climb. And so there really are only two responses they can have to it. One is to say, screw it. We're going to go in too. We're going to put the pressure on those teams. We, we know we have a good roster that we like. We have some advantages built in. You know, or what they are currently doing, which is to say, screw it, then fine. We'll just be, we'll just, we'll just try to get to 500 or above as cheaply as possible. Because again, that's all these moves are about. Mm. You know, it, it, this especially like replacing Eugenio Suarez with Luis Urias, in all, for all intents and purposes, that does not make you a better baseball team. That makes mm. you a cheaper baseball team. Similarly, replacing Jared Kalenic with some combination of Sam Haggerty and Taylor Trammell and Dominic Canzone, and and uh, whatever other dude, Cade Marlowe, I, I might just be making names up at this point. Just, you yeah. know, whatever whatever combination of utility guys and quad A outfielders and, you know, non-roster invites in spring training, that does not make you a better team. It just makes you a cheaper one. Mm. And it, it's really hard. It's hard. It sucks. Especially, like, it, it's one thing for a team like the Pirates to do this because you don't expect any better from them. It's another thing when it's a team that has legit the legitimate potential to be a postseason team. The one team that has not appeared in the World Series in all of Major League Baseball, the one team left that has not won a pennant. It, it, it just it baffles me that this is something that Mariners ownership and and Depoto too, because look for for as much as he's an employee, this is on him too. He he has agreed to make these moves. He has agreed to try to do this. I don't understand, and I it just it stinks. That that ownership and that front office think that this is an appropriate way to build a baseball team, or maybe not even so much to build a baseball team, because leave that aside. That this is an appropriate way to treat a fan base, one of a fan base that has known nothing but struggle, uh, but missed opportunities, that has already seen this franchise waste the primes of some of the best players in both their history and major league history. Mm. You know, to get nothing out of Ken Griff out of your time with Ken Griffey Jr., nothing out of your time with A-Rod, nothing out of your time with, with Felix Hernandez, nothing out of your time with Ichiro. Now you're setting up to get nothing out of your time with Julio Rodriguez. That's unconscionable. You, you, you cannot do that. You're, you should not be allowed to do that. You know, I, I, for, forget MLB trying to figure out how do we make the hot stove season better. Figure out how to put pressure on owners to do right by their fan bases and build the best teams possible without without crying cheap the entire time because yeah. this does not benefit anyone this does not benefit fans in seattle it doesn't benefit baseball as a whole it benefits no one whatsoever that the mariners can just so just so cavalierly go you know what we just don't feel like trying this year so we're just going to try to save as much money as we can while we figure something out later 
You know, it, it, it's a bummer. It's a huge, huge bummer. I feel so bad for Mariners fans that this is what they are tied into and will be unless ownership either changes course because of the outcry from fans, which it's not actually managed to do anything in the past, mm-hmm. or this ownership group ideally realizes we are not the right people to be doing this because we don't have the financial backing to make this happen. And you know, just because it's... everyone's invisible, right? Like, I think owners want to, I think about this a lot, where, I mean, Cohen is pretty upfront and he's dialed in and he's uh willing to uh accept the smoke but like brace fans don't even know who to look at it's invisible like liberty media obviously being in colorado and everything else you didn't see them there's just so many owners now that just can especially major league baseball i feel like more there's more shadow owners in major league baseball than other sports it feels like i don't know if you agree it does i think uh i very much think and some of this too is just when you have ownership groups that are like like liberty media or the ones that are just split up where the pie is split up 15 different ways with a lot of minority owners you don't really have like you know this is not a a, a, well i guess he's no longer the the owner but not a mark cuban situation where you have your rogue billionaire who can just throw money around that's really just steve cohen for everyone else maybe crane a a little bit now too yeah but for everyone else it's a business first and foremost and for the mariners that business is we will spend as little as possible you know while trying to build a team that at least nominally can contend. But the sad part of this is this Mariners team is not going to contend the way it's, the way it's currently no. constructed, you know? And, and so you just, no. you're putting yourself in that position where it's, you're, you're saving the money, but at the expense of wasting the, the talent that you've already accumulated, wasting the time of the fans who pay money to go to these games, who pay money to watch these games. You know, baseball teams are not literally a public trust but they are figuratively and essentially a public trust, you know, and they should be treated as such, not as, uh, not as a, essentially an interest generating machine for, for the billionaire class. And it's, it's, again, it's just super frustrating to see how the, how the Mariners have chosen to go about this offseason, especially again, because in, in particular, how close they were on Otani when he signed with Anaheim the first time around. You yeah. would think that they would have been right there in it again, that DePoto would have been right back in there to tell him, look, come join Julio Rodriguez, come join Luis Castillo, come, come be on, you know, come be the spirit, the spiritual heir and successor to Ichiro, you know, mm-hmm. do what he couldn't here. And instead they just, they straight up just were not involved in the process. That's, yeah. that's a real, that's a real shame. The shame is putting it lightly, but that's, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to watch truly. That it is John Taylor. Um, well, I have another question for you. Dodgers, good yes. idea or not to make uh, Mookie Betts the everyday second baseman that they are planning to do in 2024? So I think for me, I don't know if it's a good idea or bad idea so much as it does. It really kind of seems like their only real option at second base because the Dodgers infield is just kind of mutated into this unusable mess. Mm. So part of this is that the various kind of moves they've had to make particularly in the wake of losing Corey Seager and then Trey Turner by having to move Gavin Lux to shortstop who you know ideally would have been the second baseman part of this too was that second base used to be Max Muncy's purview before uh, in the era of kind of shift uh, in the era of the defensive shift and kind of positionless baseball a little easier to play a guy like Muncy at second when you can essentially position him as needed and not have to worry so much about his lack of range or his uh, the other issues that compromise him at second base. But the Dodgers right now do not really have that short or long-term option at second base that works. 
You know, Miguel Vargas had a very, very difficult season last year, admittedly at third base, but not having him as, as a realistic option, I think, right now complicates what they want to do with third base. Similarly, Lux blowing out last year, not uh, not really being sure. I, I mean, I personally don't think he fits at shortstop anyway, but they're already committed to that because, mm-hmm. again, there's no Turner, there's no Seager. They're not going to give that starting job at shortstop to Miguel Rojas. Um, Michael Bush has not looked like a, a capable major league regular, a guy I think they figured would be part of that infield mix at some point in the future. Um, maybe it's a guy like Jorbit Vivas at some point in the future. One of the, uh, one of their amateur, uh, international signings is one of, in their top 10, 15 ish prospect wise. But the truth is there, there was not, if, if the Dodgers had not moved bets to second base, if they didn't go with Mookie at second base, they really wouldn't have anyone to go there. I mean, this was a team that was running Colton Wong out at second base in the postseason. you know, this is a, this was a very thin infield group for them. And with, and also one where there was no real solution out on the free agent market, you know. Mm. We, we've talked already a lot about uh, the, the availability of hitters on this market, that beyond Otani, uh, you know, beyond Otani, Cody Bellinger, and Matt Chapman, there's not really a whole lot else in the market, particularly in the middle infield. This was not a problem the Dodgers are going to be able to solve by signing someone. I don't know how realistic it would have been for them to find a trade partner and make something work. Um, particularly once it seemed like the only second baseman who was really getting any play as a potential target uh, or in any kind of rumor, not even once connected to the Dodgers with Jonathan India. Now the Reds have come out and said that more likely than not, they're going to keep him and probably have him play some first base as well as some second base. So for the Dodgers, I think they kind of put the, they kind of worked themselves into this position where their only real option was, well, I guess we got to put Mookie there. And to yeah. be fair, that's not a bad option. Mookie Betts was a phenomenal second baseman coming up through the minors. He is very clearly, uh, he was a, he played the position, he was able to play the middle infield well last year. You know, he's very clearly athletic enough to make it work. But it does kind of speak to the kind of messy, almost like like uh, improv planning the Dodgers have been trying, almost like the way they've been trying to build their roster the last couple of years, which has this very kind of like, just like, just constantly sh- like just shifting, uh, shifting deck chairs essentially and trying to kind mm-hmm. of, find a solution that works when all their plans just kind of keep falling apart on them. You know, I, it, it's, it's hard to look at bets as anything other than plan like G, you know what I mean? Like this would not be happening if they had figured out something more stable, more long-term, more sustainable already. I just, so if you had to guess right now, let's just say Otani's not a Dodger. Let's say they okay. don't go, they don't land. And, and I, I should note too, a lot of this uh, roster kind of jiggering and 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 payroll kind of manipulation stuff. I think a large chunk of that for the Dodgers was clearing the decks for Otani eventually. Mm-hmm. But and anyway, go on. Well, this is I guess a two-parter. One, is there a precedent for this? Who was the last big name MVP type outfielder to move to second? I have no I have no clue. It is not a move you see really like okay. that's not just, that's not yeah. a the def, in terms of the defensive spectrum like usually guys go from the infield to the outfield because right. that's you know that's just the easier position or you go from outfield to first base like bryce harper's doing like that's exactly. not a big surprise and there are guys like chris taylor who can bounce between you know infield mm-hmm. outfield or, or i remember brock holt did that with the red Sox. but yeah a guy of mookie betts's stature and production no that that does not happen unless something yeah. has gone really really strange so he's there they're locked in like mookie betts will be the everyday second baseman mm-hmm. it seems like he wants to play it it seems yeah. like that's something Dave, and it's also kind of Dave Roberts like, was allowed to say that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also like what's interesting about the Dodgers. And I think this is the most underrated thing about Los Angeles. These guys buy in 
whether it's Freeman, whoever they bring in, Mookie, like their roles are going to be shifted around. It's kind of like a culture of like, hey, we expect to be the best in the NL every single year. We spin like a team that plans to be the best in the NL every single year. You're going to have to move around. Turner, Muncie, whoever, like you, part of the appeal or part of the cool thing about this team, as much money as so many of these guys make and so many potential ego issues, the Dodgers don't have any guys just move over. It's like, Hey, we need you to play this. Can you do that? All right, great. We need you to be here. We need you to do this. Cause I think they ask for the most amount of positional flexibility. I think it's, it's probably them and it's it's probably them in the Rays, which makes perfect sense, you know, but it's also the Rays aren't paying the same, right? No, and the Rays aren't going out to get a Mookie Betts. You know, they're not yeah. going to. They're not, they're neither going to sign Mookie Betts nor are they going to do something like sign Mookie Betts and say, "Okay, we know you've been an outfielder. You're a second baseman now." Yeah. So yeah, to, to answer that one at least, no, I, I I can't think of a team or a player that's done that. In part because you don't really see teams like as as you're noting, you don't really see teams asking guys to do that. No. You know, or I think they'd be nervous. Like that goes the wrong way. They might take offense and they want to trade, or they're like, "I'm not doing that." Like, no, yeah, that's not. And look, I, I understand too from a Dodger standpoint. They probably feel it's easier to find a right-handed hitting platoon partner outfielder for Jason mm-hmm. Hayward in right field than it is to find a 162 game full-time starter at second base. And on that yeah. count, they are almost certainly correct. It, it is just a really kind of strange outcome overall, though. Yeah. And I think it, again, it says a lot about the Dodgers kind of again, just improvisational planning when it's come to their roster in the last couple years, needing to kind of wring out every ounce of flexibility they can find in these guys because they really, aside from guys like Freeman and Betts and, you know, Trevor Bauer, they're really not making those big investments into guys. They are trying to build the most flexible roster they can with ideally by spending as, you know, by trying to not spend too much in any one place. Again, except if 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 Otani happens, and I think they'll be okay with or without Otani. They will be. I think obviously, you know, as the team with the most money, like there there really should be no reason for them not to get Otani, unless it turns out he really does like the Blue Jays spring training facilities way better, or likes playing in a dome all the time. Um, he also but, just might this like the staff. Maybe he has a relationship with some guys we don't know. In that's Toronto? always, that's I don't always know. a possibility. I mean, and again, the thing with the the thing with the Otani secrecy is we're not really learning any of this. Correct. Stuff. You know, we, we're, we're not getting a sense of what what matters, what's important, who who kind of has the edge right now. You like, know, what which, if him and Bo Bichette are, like, super cool and uh, yeah. text every day and we never knew that? Yeah, he and Vlad he and Vlad Jr. are just, like, their best buds, and they yes. have been forever. Mm-hmm. Which would also but we'll be never really know. Weird. <laughs> we'll never... <laughs> we will never know at all. Uh, no, I love it. I just think the bet stuff is cool because there's no real historical precedent for it. I'm excited to see what it ultimately looks like. I mean... Let's go. So the final thing we'll wrap up, John. So what if no Otani? I feel like John Carlos Stanton, as if he gets waived by the Do- or the Yankees, he feels like a Dodgers just like we we'll jump in on the scraps here. We're we're okay with whatever health situation you're at, and we'll find a spot for you in Los I, I Angeles. I could see that. I could see them basically deciding, especially because he's you know he's like he's a Southern California guy. Yeah. You know, he comes home. the The pressure is very much off. You yes. know. Um, essentially taking the J.D. Martinez role is just yes. the, the right-handed uh, slugging D.H. Um, I, I do wonder if, you know, I, I, again, I, we'll, we'll, see what the, we'll see what happens with Stanton, but I, I, I do wonder what his market would look like if he does get let go. So one through nine, though, John. 
what's uh-huh. the lineup look like without Otani? Would you guess for Dodgers, for the Dodgers? Day next year? So it'd be Betts and Freeman up top. Then you got Will Smith and Max Muncy. And then depending on uh, the night starter, it's some com like you have uh, James Altman is probably the full time center fielder at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess we'll just we'll just do the lineup against righties. Then we have yeah. Hayward and right. Um, I guess that's so wild. The Hayward Renaissance. It's in Los Angeles. What can't the Dodgers him. do? I think I the, mean, if you're the Dodgers, your your concern is probably at this point the bottom three in the lineup because mm-hmm. right now you've got Chris Taylor playing every day in left field, and that that's just not gonna that's not gonna fly. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Gavin Lux at shortstop coming off a completely missed year. I, I don't, I have no clue what to expect there. And I, I, I generally don't have a good feeling about that, particularly defensively. I, I don't think Lux is cut out to be a shortstop. Mm-hmm. And then DH right now is Michael Bush, which, or at least per, per roster resource on fan graphs, which I don't think the, the, the Dodgers would actually go into opening day if they did nothing from here on forward, having Michael Bush as the actual DH, they would figure something else out. But you know, that, that I think is the concern to me for the Dodgers is you, the, the Chris Taylor, the full-time outfielder, can Gavin Lux actually play shortstop? What are we going to do at DH if we miss out on Otani? The rest of that lineup feels fine, but mm-hmm. then the other issue is the, the depth on the, on the bench right now is Austin Barnes, who cannot hit, and is pretty much a ceremonial backup at this point. Miguel Rojas, who cannot hit. Miguel Vargas, who really, really struggled last season. I don't know how good the Dodgers feel about just having him be a bench bat. Uh, and then some, figure out some kind of outfield. Is it, is it Johnny DeLuca? Is it Andy Pajes? Is it, you know, is it some NRI guy? There's still some work to be done on this roster. The good news for them is the top six feels really solid. It's just, do they, you know, if they don't get Otani, what do they do with DH? Are they committed to Chris Taylor full-time? And if Lux struggles or, you know, does not, you know, cannot get firm footing, what do they do with him going forward? Because there's not really, there's no good option at shortstop for them right now. No. And and the ability... It's not like this league is loaded with options there. No, and and now they don't have that option again of being like, well, we can have Mookie play some shortstop. That nope. that's just not a possible. And not, honestly, that wouldn't be something I think that would be a good idea to do full, for a full season anyway. But um, there's still there are definitely still some questions there. And I think I mean, and that's without even going to the pitching side of things. Where right now the rotation is Walker Bueller coming off Tommy John surgery, uh, and then like a bunch of essentially rookies in Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepio and Emmett Sheehan and and Michael Grove and. Uh, maybe Landon Knack. Oh, and then Ryan Yarborough. Yeah, you know that's that's that, they. This is a team that also needs to add some starting pitching. You know, especially because they're not going to get Tony Gonsolin back this year. They're probably they're not going to get Dustin. I don't know what Dustin May's timeline looks like. Kershaw is obviously out until the summer with uh, his shoulder injury. You know, this is a team that if they're going to get Otani, like I think similar to the Yankees, if they finish that Soto trade, still has to keep going. There's still more that they need to do. So, and that probably, it, it probably looks like, as with the Yankees, it probably looks like going in hard on Yamamoto as well. Absolutely. John Taylor, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Fangraphs.com this week? So, winter meetings is over, but because not all that much happened, we are still churning away with everything that, co- that is coming out of the offseason. Uh, if you want to catch up with any of the moves that did happen at winter meetings, we have covered every signing and trade of some capacity or another, so check those out. Uh, ongoing series, per usual, Dan, Z- Dan Zimborski continues his Zips projections. Jay Jaffe is continuing his uh, Jaws Hall of Fame profiles. Uh, we had Joe Maurer the other week. I thought that was a fantastic one. Adrian Beltre, I think, still to come. I think the, the guy who's a lock on this ballot to get in uh, this year. So get excited for that. Uh, prospect list season is starting soon. Uh, I know Eric Longenhagen, our prospect guy, was at winter meetings. He was hard at work on, I believe, the Blue Jays list. But, you know, he's, he's, he's cranking away, so get ready for that. 
otherwise, when Otani signs, when the Soto trade finally happens, when Yamamoto signs, we will have coverage. So when you go over to Fangraphs, check that out. And while you're there, sign up for a membership, $10 a month, $60 a year. You get ad-free browsing plus other cool perks. Uh, I also want to mention, if you're at all interested in the Hall of Fame stuff, we have an annual crowdsource ballot that we do. That is up as well. You can fill out your own ballot uh, along with the rest of our readers. Uh, see who you, th- you know, see how see how the Fangraphs readers think uh, the Hall of Fame should work or how it should be filled out. But yeah, come on over to Fangraphs where baseball does th- the thing with good, and 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 Fangraphs. Yes, well said, John Thank Taylor. You. Fangraphs.com. Become become a subscriber today. John Taylor, thank you as always, my friend, and I'll talk to you very soon. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, that you're interviewing, Mm -hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.